0: I go back, I move out of my parents' house, and I spiraled out of control. Like, I'm alone, like, no one will care.
1: Um, It just left me just empty. Like, like I knew uh, that something was missing.
0: I felt so unloved, and I felt so unworthy of love, because who would want to love that? I asked God, I said, why? Why am I feeling like this? Like, take this pain away from me. At this point, it was just, uh... Downhill spiral. It was ups and downs, but it was it was a battle between our flesh and and everything inside. I grew up in a pretty normal household. My parents have been married twenty years. I have a little sister. I grew up in church. I went to church every Sunday. Um, I got super involved in church in about about middle school, and then um, high school rolled around, and I stayed involved in church. However, I was started hanging out with the wrong crowd. That summer, I met a guy. That's how all good stories start, and I we started dating. We ended up dating for like eight years. Um, And he started doing drugs, which I started doing drugs. I started drinking all the time. Um, And one drug led to another, which just led to harder drugs. And he found himself as a full-on heroin addict. Um, Junior year rolls around, and it comes to an end. And that summer, I found out that I was pregnant. And we had been dating for a while at the time. And so I was shocked. My parents were beyond mad, beyond disappointed, and didn't talk to me for, weeks upon weeks. Um, At that point, I had to quit drill team. I had to quit going to church. I was just completely ashamed of what I was doing, what I had done, and how everything was just kind of catching up to me. It was a big mess because he stayed on drugs, and obviously, I had to straighten up my act. And I was faced with, you know, you faced with multiple options, multiple, like, what are you going to do with this? I ended up getting in contact with one of my cousins who was looking to adopt a baby and um, she couldn't have kids she had been trying for like eight years so I invited her to one of my appointments so she went with me and we found out the gender of the baby and I remember laying there and the doctor was like okay are you ready to know what you're having and I was like yeah and he was like well you're having a girl and I was just Silent and she was sitting next to me and she was just bawling and I remember looking over at her and I was like Paige You're having a girl and I knew at that moment that this wasn't my baby This was meant to be her baby. I signed my rights over to my child three days later and they adopted her and She's five now and she's doing great and we have a great relationship I get to see her I get to take care of her I get to hang out with All of their family all of our family and I get to watch her grow up, which is great and I made it a point to myself that after all this happened, after all the stuff that I had gone through, that I was going to turn my life around. Well, I go back, I move out of my parents' house, and I spiraled out of control. I went downhill really quick. I started drinking all the time. I started doing even harder drugs than I was doing out of just kind of spite of what my um, what the father of my child was doing at the time. So. I woke up one morning and I was like, this isn't what I want for my life. Like, I do not want my daughter to see me grow up like this. And I quit everything cold turkey. Um, I moved back in with my parents and I was like, I'm ready for a fresh start. I ended up moving out to Lubbock in last fall. And I remember seeing a sign for Raider Church and I was like, okay, I guess I'll go. I don't know anyone. I have nothing else to do. So I went and sat by myself in the back. I felt super uncomfortable, but... When the worship started, I remember like just this overwhelming sense of peace came over me. and it was the same sense of peace that I knew I had felt before, but I couldn't figure out why. but it was the same like understanding, it was the same peace that I felt when I knew like what the right decision was for my baby. So looking back now, I know like that was the Holy Spirit kind of taking over me and taking over like the situation. Um, and I went from having, you know, one foot in with God, one foot in with the world, to having like two feet in with God and seeing like the amazing things that He's doing in my life. Lately I've just been seeing God work in my life in crazy ways. The other night, it was probably a week ago, we were sitting in Raider Church and we were worshiping and I kinda took a step back and I just kept picturing myself four years ago and I was sitting in a car and I had a needle in my arm and I was just at a bad place in my life and I would zone back in and all I could hear was like God telling me like this is how much I love you like look where you were and look where you are look what I've done in your life and it just it made me realize like I have no reason to run from him I have every reason to run to him because he's he's done crazy things just in the matter of like Little time that I've put all of my trust in Him.
1: Would you help me? Would you help me thank Mackenzie for sharing her story tonight? I want you to know that whether your rock bottom moment is because of something you've done, like a mistake you've made or because of someone else's mistake and maybe something they did to you. Or maybe your rock, moment, rock bottom moment is just, is just life and the struggles that we all face in this life. You are welcome here. One of the things we've said in this series is that it's, it's okay to not be okay. And regardless of why you're at rock bottom, you are welcome here. It's why we say here all the time, welcome home because we want this to be a home, a place where you can come even at rock bottom and you can feel welcome and loved and encouraged and prayed for and lifted up. We often say here that we circles around me and we want this to be a place where even when you're at rock bottom, maybe even when you're at rock bottom because of decisions you've made and there's guilt and shame that can come from those things, you are welcome here. You're welcome here that same day, the day of that mistake. You're welcome here the week of that mistake, the month of that mistake, the year of that mistake. You are welcome here, regardless of what's been going on in your life and regardless of the mistakes that you've made. I've never shared publicly what I'm about to tell you. I really don't even talk about it with other people much. It's something that's happened in our family that we never really talk about or have talked about with other people. And there's probably very few in my life that have known this has happened. And I've never shared this publicly with a group before. Um, I've been speaking, preaching for Uh, Now 16, 17 years, and I've never talked about this, but as we've gone through this series, I've, I felt like it was important uh, for me to share. And so I've talked with my family and gotten permission to share this with you because I believe that rock bottom moments in my life will connect with rock bottom moments in your life. Most of you know my parents got divorced when I was 17. I was a junior in high school, and the years that followed were absolute hell for us. And many of you have heard that, but you haven't heard probably the lowest moment in those years. It wasn't long after my parents got divorced, I was still 17 years old, and um, I knew my mom was upset. My dad had left, my parents had gotten divorced and we were at home and I knew my, my mom was upset. She had, she had been crying and, and she went to her room and she kind of wanted some time alone and she was going to try to go to sleep. And so she shut her door and, and we were there at the house. Well, some time had gone by and we hadn't heard anything. And I went in to check on her because I knew she had been upset. And so I knocked on the door and didn't hear an answer. And then I called out for my mom and she didn't answer. I reached for the door and it was locked. And so I started pounding on the door, yelling for my mom and there was no answer. And so since I was scared and I had no idea what was going on, I kicked the door down. I went into her room and I found her passed out on the ground. And I looked around and I saw pills all over the floor and all over her bedside table. And so I called 911 and they told me to get her, pick her up and put her on her bed and put her on her side. And so I did that and then I got back on the phone they said, now check for her her breathing. And so I held my ear up to her her face and I was listening and trying to feel for, for for her breath. I could still feel her breathing and so I told them and so they said okay we have an ambulance on the way and so I stayed there with her with the 911 operator on the phone and and continued to check that she was breathing and that she had a, a pulse and things like that and so the ambulance arrived, the paramedics came in, they loaded her up on a stretcher, they, they took her out, and we went to the hospital. And Thankfully, they were able to pump her stomach and revive her. But I remember that, that whole evening, I was, just, I was a nervous wreck from the time that I started to panic, not knowing what had happened to my mom, from the time that we were going to the hospital, not sure if she was going to make it. to then see my mom afterwards. And I remember being so rattled and nervous for days. I couldn't sleep because of what had happened. And just the the trauma of that. Maybe you've been there before, you've been through something similar in your family or or with your friends. Maybe you've been there yourself and you were on the other end of that. Where my mom said she was so lonely and hopeless and hurting so much that she just wanted the pain to go away. She just wanted the pain to stop. If you're like me, you never forget your rock bottom moments. When you've been at the lowest, oftentimes so traumatic that you never forget them. You never forget where you were, you never forget what you saw, you never forget the sounds that you heard in those rock bottom moments. And so what do you do when you hit rock bottom? Where do you turn? That's what we've been talking about in this series. And so tonight, if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to second Samuel chapter 12, and I want you to see one of King David's rock bottom moments and what he did and how he responded. And if you don't have a Bible, you can go on your phone uh, to raiderchurch.com and select sermon notes and the verses will be there, the points, everything you can follow along with this. Second Samuel chapter 12. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you know that King David, committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. And David then, after committing adultery, commits murder by having her husband sent to the front lines during wartime, and he's killed. And so David basically had Bathsheba's husband killed so that he could be with her. Bathsheba gets pregnant. They have a child, but the child is very sick. And at this moment in the verses where we're gonna pick up, David and his advisors in Bathsheba, they are unsure, they are unsure. they're not certain whether the, the child's gonna make it or not. And David is really struggling, he's at rock bottom. And so let's pick up verse 16, 2 Samuel chapter 12, it says this, watch, some of you have been here before. David begged God. When you're at rock bottom, you'll often find yourself begging God. We said in week one that when you have the faith to pray, rock bottom can turn into stepping stones. It's what we've been saying each week. Last week we talked about the faith to believe can turn rock bottom into stepping stones, and you'll see the third one tonight, but when you hit rock bottom, and you have nowhere else to go. A great place, the first place to go is to go to God, just like David does, and, and he's begging God to spare the child. And you can see how David's at rock bottom. Watch, he says, it went, he went without food. Some of you have been there before where you're, where you're so depressed, maybe you're clinically depressed, or you're so upset, you're so sad, you're, you're so, you're at rock bottom, you don't even want to eat. He went without food and he was laying all night on the bare ground, he was just laying on the ground. He wouldn't eat, he's laying on the ground and the elders or his advisors of, of his household pleaded with him to get up and to eat with him, but he refused. Then on the seventh day, the child died. And David's advisors, watch this, they were, they were afraid to tell him. They were afraid to tell him that his child had died because of this, he wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill. They said, what drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? David is so upset. He's so distraught. He's so low that his closest advisors are concerned that David might do something even more drastic when he finds out his child has died. Some of you have been there before. You've had those thoughts before. You feel so alone, you're so down, you're so hurt, there's so much pain that ideas of drastic thoughts or drastic next steps may enter your mind. David's advisors, they're they're fearful that that's where David's headed, that that's where he's going. David is at rock bottom and when David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. David believed that his child was going to die. He was afraid that that was what was going to happen, and so he was depressed. He was at rock bottom. His advisors are questioning. They're wondering, what what might he do next? How is he going to respond, learning that his child has actually died? What will he do? What David does next floors me. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Like as a dad, what David does next absolutely surprises me. Like I don't see this coming when I read this story. Because David's at rock bottom. His friends are wondering if if he's going to do something drastic in response to his depression, his hurt, and his pain. But watch what David does next. Watch how he responds to the news that his child is dead. Then David got up. He washed himself. He, he hadn't been bathing during this time. He put on lotions and changed his clothes. He'd been wearing the, the same clothes, just laying on the ground and, and not eating. That's how depressed he was. And then watch this, it says he went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. David got up and worshiped God. Let's go to the next verse. It says, the advisors are wondering, why why, why are you worshiping God? like. That doesn't make any sense. You you were so depressed when he was alive. Now why are you worshiping God? And so David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. for, For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? Here's why David was worshiping. I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. You see, David was worshiping God, much to his advisor's surprise. Like they're wondering, why are you worshiping? Why are you now going to worship? You, you, were, you were so depressed when he was alive. Now he's actually dead. And they didn't understand. They didn't get it. And I think a lot of us may, might feel the same way. David, why would you go to worship? The reason David went to worship is this, is that I'm going to be back with him one day. He was worshiping the God who is bigger than death itself. You see, David knew this. We talked about this last week. David knew that his son won either way. It didn't mean it didn't hurt, but David knew that his son was going to win either way. If he would win by surviving and by God sparing him and getting to have David as his child, that would would be a win for David and for his child. But David also knew if his child went to be with the Lord, that his son would win and that he would win, too, because he would get to be with him one day. You see, David had an eternal perspective. He knew that the death of his child, watch this, wasn't the end of the story. It was just a chapter. He knew it was just a chapter. It wasn't the end of the story. There were many chapters to go. And the final chapter would mean they would be back together again in heaven with God. David had an eternal perspective and so he could worship the God that was above death, that was above his circumstances, that had authority over life and death. He worshiped the God who was greater and bigger than his child's death. Some of you are familiar with the story of Job. Job lost everything, he lost his family, he lost all of his possessions and his wealth. And when you read through Job, Job said this, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord anyways. Blessed be his name, in other words, Job had an eternal perspective. He worshiped the God that was bigger than his problems, bigger than his circumstances, bigger than death itself. And so what we've been saying in this series, the challenge that we've had for us in this series is this. It's that faith turns rock bottom into a stepping stone. In other words, faith can turn rock bottom feeling like that's the story, that's the end of the story into just a chapter. Faith turns rock bottom into stepping stones into just a chapter in the story. It's not the end of the story. This is a stepping stone. And I'm gonna worship the God who's bigger than death itself. Because like we said last week, when you had the faith to believe, you win either way. And so here's the third stepping stone. It's having the faith to worship the faith to worship in spite of your circumstances, in spite of being at rock bottom. David was at rock bottom and he got up to worship God. And so when you're at rock bottom, if you can have the faith to get up and worship in spite of what you're going through, that faith, that step to worship God will turn rock bottom into a stepping stone. And it may not happen immediately, but as you continue to have the faith to pray like we talked about in week one and the faith to believe like we talked about last week and the faith to worship and you keep praying and you keep believing and you keep worshiping in spite of what you're going through, you'll find that rock bottom is just a chapter. It's not the end of the story, it's a stepping stone. On June 7th, 2012, a little over five years ago. Many of you know that my nephew was in a similar spot. My sister-in-law Kelsey, her husband Tanner were pregnant with their first child. His name was Hal, it was a boy. One of my rock bottom one of my family rock one of our rock bottom moments for for my wife's family and 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 for myself was the night before getting a phone call in the middle of the night that where my mother in law was telling us that that Kelsey, my sister in law. had stopped feeling the baby moved and got concerned and went to the doctor and they they no longer heard a heartbeat at 35 weeks. And the chances were that within the next day she would have a stillbirth. And so we rushed to, to Austin to be there for her. And I remember being in that room holding my nephew, Hal, their firstborn son. He'd had the cord wrapped around his neck and suffocated and he died. I did his graveside funeral a couple days later I'd never done one for an infant before. But you know, one of the amazing things in the last five years has been to see my sister-in-law, Kelsey, and her husband, Tanner, walk through this and continue to pursue the Lord in spite of the most tragic thing that can possibly happen to a parent. When you talk with them now, they'll say, we we have no idea how we would have ever made it through without Jesus. They continue. Sure, their pain was unreal. It was unimaginable. But they continue to follow Jesus. They continue to pray. They continue to believe. They continue to worship. And several years ago, my sister-in-law, Kelsey, posted this. We don't believe God won't give us more than we can handle but rather that he is enough. And he is loving and gracious to see us through our darkest and most painful days. Faith to worship, to praise God in the middle of their pain, their hurt, their suffering. Two years ago, she wrote this. In the midst of it all, God was and is so gracious, loving, and comforting to us. One year ago, on his birthday, she wrote this. Because we have Jesus and an eternal hope in him. This loss didn't take us under. But without him, I'm sure it would have. We know God is near to us. And we are so grateful for eternal hope. And then a few months ago, five years since the loss of their child, she wrote this, five years. I seriously cannot believe it's been five years. It sounds surreal and not even possible. Today is our sweet Hal's birthday and he would have been five today. We should have been getting geared up for kindergarten, doing swim lessons, playing T-ball, all those things, but that isn't our story. Our story, while heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, and even today is overcome with emotion, is also a story of grace, joy, love, community, family, and hope. Those are the words I want to mark our story. Because while we miss how more than most could even begin to understand, we also know that we have a loving and compassionate Father who has carried us through the last five years. In spite of their pain, their hurt, their suffering, over the years, we've gotten to watch them continue to worship God, a God who's bigger than death. We said last week, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection in life. Whoever comes to me lives even after dying. In fact, you will never, ever, ever die if you believe in me. They've continued to worship that God who's bigger than death. They've continued to give this God in spite of their suffering, in spite of their rock bottom, they've continued to give their God glory and worship in spite of what they've gone through. That's how rock bottom turns into a stepping stone. When you have the faith to pray, when you have the faith to believe, when you have the faith to worship, in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your pain. Peter said this in First Peter chapter four, starting in verse 12, he said this, dear friends, don't be surprised. Don't be don't be surprised. Like don't be shocked when you hit rock bottom. Don't be surprised by that. We're, We're all going to hit rock bottom at some point. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials. That's the way he used to describe the the trials that we go through, the pain, the hurt that we experience sometimes in this life. It's like fire. It's like being burned by fire. That's how intense it can be. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you were going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Peter says, don't, don't be surprised by the fiery trials you get, like, like as if that's strange. No, that's, that's common. We are going to go through fiery trials in this life. We live in a fallen, broken, evil world. And even if it's not by choices of our own, we will go through fiery trials. It's It's common. Instead, he says this, Peter says this, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his sufferings so that you will have, watch this, the wonderful joy of seeing his glory, God's glory when it is revealed to all the world. Peter says, you're going to go through fiery trials, but God's glory is just around the corner. You know, many of us have seen over the last several years the destruction that fires have caused in California and in the Northwest and even here in Texas in the Plains. We've seen how awful those fires that, that spread so quickly and rapidly and how they can just destroy Trees and just acres and acres of grass and, and even homes and cities. But you know, sometimes the Forest Service or the National Guard, they'll actually start a fire like intentionally in a certain area. They'll do controlled burns where they will burn up sections and acres of land or of the forest. They'll actually do that on purpose. And in light of all the fires that we've seen in our country, it it makes you think, why, why would anyone do that on purpose? The reason is this. Oftentimes in the forest, you've got dead brush and trees and limbs and things that begin to block out the sunlight from hitting the vegetation. And so things stop growing and they, they die out. Well, what a fire will do is it will come and it will clear out all the dead stuff. And it will make a way for the, the light to shine through a canopy and hit the ground again. And here's what always happens where fire has been where fire has burned. New vegetation comes back. New growth happens. The grass is greener. The trees are greener than they ever were before the fire. You see, where fire has been, where fire has burned, new growth, new beginnings, Come as a result. And so watch this. Where fire has been, new life begins. Your rock bottom isn't the end of the story. It's just a chapter. You're going through a fiery trial right now. Listen, it's not the end of the story because where fire has been, new life begins. And Peter says, you're going through fiery trials, but God's glory is just around the corner. And so in this series, one of the things we've said from Romans 28 is that if you're not seeing the good yet, then God's not done yet. Well, watch this. Based on 1 Peter, we also know this. If you're not seeing the glory, then God's not done yet. You're going through a fiery trial. God's glory is just around the corner. If you'll have the faith to pray, the faith to believe, the faith to worship, your rock bottom will turn into a stepping stone and you'll see God's goodness around the corner. You'll see God's glory around the corner, probably in a way you've never seen it before. You know, David and Bathsheba had another son. They got married eventually, they had another child. That child's name was Solomon. And Solomon would become the richest and the wisest and the most powerful king Israel has ever known. In fact, the height, the pinnacle, the apex of the entire Israelite kingdom was when Solomon was king. David and Bathsheba's son that they had right after the child they lost. You see, David's rock bottom was just a chapter. There were other chapters to follow where David would see the glory of God, where he would see his son take over his throne and rule Israel and become the wisest and most powerful and richest king in the history of the Israelites. You know, I've seen my mom go through so much in her life. She's been through many fiery trials. But you know what I've also seen my mom do? In spite of it all, in spite of all the pain, the, the hurt, the trials that she's been through, I always see her worshiping God as loud as she can, with her hands in the air, tears streaming down her face. She has never, she, yet she may have questioned, she may have been confused, she's been low, she's hurt. but she never has stopped worshiping God. And that's how rock bottom turns into a stepping stone. Some of you are here tonight and you're at rock bottom. Now I wanna invite you to stand so that we can pray for you. You may have already stood in the previous two weeks. I want you to stand again. But if that's you tonight and you're at rock bottom and you want us to pray for you to have the faith to pray, the faith to believe, the faith to worship in spite of your pain, in spite of your rock bottom, then I want to invite you to stand right where you're at right now if that's you. Thank you. Anyone else? This is your time. We're here to pray for you. If you're at rock bottom right now, take this opportunity to have someone pray for you. God will use your step of faith. Even in this moment, even in a moment like this, God can use your step of faith to turn rock bottom into a stepping stone. So if that's you, stand up right where you're at right now. If you see someone standing around you, would you move to them? Would you get up out of your seat and lay a hand on their shoulder and just begin to pray for them? Begin to pray that they'll have the faith to pray, the faith to believe, the faith to worship in spite of their circumstances and pray that soon they would see the goodness of God. They would see the glory of God. That's just around the corner. Just pray that over them. That God would lift them up in this moment. That they would feel the presence of God, the comfort of God filling them right now. The peace of God filling them right now in this moment. thank you for every person that stood, every person that's watching online right now that's at rock bottom. And God, we pray that you would give them a supernatural faith to pray, to believe, to worship so that their rock bottom will turn into a stepping stone so that their rock bottom will just be a chapter in this story. And that, just like my sister-in-law, Kelsey, just like she said, God, that that pain and hurt and those things, while they're real and they're true, that wouldn't be what marks their story, but that hope and joy and family and community would be the thing that marks their story. And so God, we thank you that we worship and pray and believe in the God who's bigger than death, is bigger than our problems, bigger than our fiery trials. God, thank you that glory is just around the corner. In Jesus' name, amen. You can stay standing. Our team's gonna lead us in a time of worship. We're gonna have prayer teams available to pray with you. They got orange glow sticks on. They're here to pray for you. If something's going on in your life, you can go to them. The Psalm 59 verse 16 says this, but as for me, I will sing about your power. I'll worship, in other words, I'm going to worship about your power. Each morning, I will sing with joy. I'll worship with joy about your unfailing love, for you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. So God is not our refuge from times of trouble. He's our refuge in times of trouble, and rock bottom is just a stepping stone. You're rock bottom. It's just a chapter in the story. It's not the end of the story. And if you could skip to the end, if you could skip to the end of the story, you would see that there's glory and goodness and joy at the end of the story. God, in this moment, we're going to sing about your power. We're going to sing about your joy. We're going to worship you, God, because you're bigger, God, than death itself. And so we're going to worship you because you are our refuge. You are a refuge in times of trouble. And so we come to you now with the faith to worship in spite of what's going on in our life. Let's worship God tonight. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed watching today. And if Raider Church has impacted you in any way, we would love to know about it. You can email me, parker at raiderchurch.com. And if you have any questions about Raider Church, please visit our website. Here at Raider Church, our vision is to have every college student come to know Jesus. We want this to be a safe place filled with people who care. Our hope is that Raider Church would become their second home. And so if you would like to partner with us financially, you can go to raiderchurch.com give. It's amazing to see what God is doing here, and we want you to be a part of it. So welcome home.